You are listening to the Sandoval Bench Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sandoval. Uh, thanks for joining me for this episode. I really appreciate it. I uh, re- appreciate the people coming back and listening. And if you like it, just keep sharing. And yeah, so this episode I wanted to talk about Andrew Luck. He unexpectedly retired at the age of 29. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, Lamar Miller. He tore his ACL in a preseason game. And let's see, I want to revisit the 2012 NFL Draft. And that's when Andrew Luck was taken number one and Robert Griffin III was taken number two. Uh, but a lot has changed since that draft. And if there was a redraft, it would be a lot different. Um, so I want to get into that a little bit. And uh, let's see here. I think that was it. So uh, I want to start with the Andrew Luck news. I know in my, I think it was my second episode or so, I went over uh, my season picks. I went over who I thought was going to make the playoffs and win the divisions and stuff like that. I had, for the AFC South, I, I picked the, the Colts uh, mainly because of Andrew Luck. I thought he'd have a good year. I thought he'd, he'd build on his performance last year. He had a great year last year. I thought he would build off of that. They won 10 games last year. I thought they could win 10-11 uh, this year as well. Um, they have an improved defense. Um, they have a better offensive line this year. I think Marlon Mack is going to have a good year. Um, and Eric Ebron, he finally had a he had a really breakout year last year. So I, I thought he would he would grow from that year and they'd be a lot better and more consistent. Um, but Andrew Luck unexpectedly retired at the age of 29, like I said. And this was during during the last preseason game. And apparently he he wanted to talk he wanted to talk about the play, talk to the players about it, his teammates about it another day. But then it got leaked. Um, by someone they told Adam Schefter and Adam Schefter uh, of ESPN shared it and then it was during it was at the end of the game everyone knew all the fans knew in Indianapolis and he's walking off the field and they started booing him stuff like that even the, and I mean my my only issue with the retirement is the timing of it I mean people want to talk about Calvin Johnson he retired I think he was 30 or 31 and then Gronk just retired after winning the Super Bowl. And then you have Jim Brown, Barry Sanders. But they but when they retired, but when they retired, it was it was at a different time. They they would either retire like in March or in June. But Andrew Luck retired a week and a half before the NFL season starts, before their first game. And according to him, I guess is this is what what we're going to find out, what we're going to know right now, we, maybe we'll find out more details later, but apparently he, he's he been thinking about this the last couple of weeks, and he said that he he just thought about it, you know, he felt like he he doesn't have enough left to give to the game, and he wanted to re- retire uh, due to injuries, because uh, at 20, was that 2016 he played injured, 2017 he had an injured shoulder, didn't play that year, and Jacoby Brissett played most of the year that year. And um, Andrew Luck, we didn't know what Andrew Luck was going to look like. And apparently he couldn't throw a football. There was some reports that he couldn't he couldn't grip it. And he had to start off with smaller footballs and build himself up back to a, a, a bigger football, a normal NFL-sized football. And so there was all kinds of issues with that. And in his, in his NFL, year, in NFL tenure, he's had a lot of injuries. He's been roughed up. Uh, the Colts haven't had a, a consistent offensive line or a good offense. They've been really up and down um, since they, they drafted him. But 
you know, he's been able to uh, to produce when he's healthy, but he, he wasn't healthy very often. Um, so, so then I, I kind of understand that part of it. Cause you know, I mean, even when he was in, at Stanford, he wanted to be an architectural engineer and do all this. Everyone always talked about his other interests in life. It's not just about football. They always said he was really smart and he had all kinds of other stuff going on. Um, so I feel, I feel like it's not, I mean, while it is surprising at the age of 29 for him to retire, especially since, you know, they had really good Super Bowl odds, and he was saying, oh, I'll be ready for week one, even though he had an ankle or calf injury, whatever it was described as. Um, and, you know, I, I thought he would be in the conversation for MVP if they won 11, 12 games, and he puts up, you know, big numbers. But, you know, we always kind of expected Andrew Luck to just kind of, he wouldn't be the one, the Drew Brees playing until he's 40, or or Tom Brady is playing until he's 42, or Brett Favre fighting to hang on with any team. He would never be that kind of player. He always seemed like he had other aspirations outside of football, that he was just playing football because he was good at it, but not because he was in love with it. And this is all he he had to be successful in life. Um, so while it's shocking at the age of 29 for him to retire, I wasn't surprised that he retired. Like, I mean, if he retired like at 32 or 33, I would probably feel the same way about it. But this year, especially, I guess the timing surprised me, especially because there had been talks about him, you know, being ready for week one and, you know, he's ready to get out there. And there was talks about MVP and maybe winning the division. So that part was pretty shocking to me, um, especially since he said it was just 10 days. I mean, if you're, re- you're going to retire from NFL, I feel like you're talking about it for more than 10 days. But then there's also some reports coming out that uh, the Colts ownership was trying to talk him out of retirement since the end of the season. Um, so I, I'm not sure how that goes, but, uh, yeah, it, he, he ended up speaking later that day and it was, uh, he got pretty emotional talking about it, um, obviously, but, and then as far as the fans booing, I think, I think they just booed. They were just in the moment really. Cause I, I, don't, I mean, you shouldn't boo him like that, especially he's walking off and he's announcing his retirement, but I think they felt like they were, they, maybe they were promised something as in. Okay, we got Andrew Luck. Everyone's healthy. We have a full uh, offensive line. We're gonna we're gonna be a competitor this year. And you know he he just said recently that he'll be ready for Week One. And you know people people in Indianapolis had a good feeling about this year. And then out of nowhere during the preseason game, they hear that he's retiring a week and a half before the season starts. So I think that's when they're just like, okay, he's quitting on us. So let's just let's just boom instead. But, you know, then you kind of look at it like, well, maybe he, it took him this long to decide and this is like the best thing he has to do for his mental health. And that's fine. I understand that. But I think I think the timing is what kind of blindsided some people. Like if you did it in March, maybe it'd be more understanding. But, I mean, you know, all the best to to Andrew Luck and hopefully he finds his peace because he, seemed, he seemed like the injury was just kind of derailed him mentally and made him lose the love of the game. And another thing was, which was pretty shocking to me during that press conference when I was watching it was that he said he felt resentful uh, towards Jacob Brissett. And this was a guy, Andrew Luck. I never, he, people say that he's the nicest guy in the NFL. And he, here he is saying that he felt resentful towards Jacob Brissett, who seems like a high character guy. He seems like a good locker room guy and, you know, a good teammate. 
Uh, so it's pretty shocking to me to hear that from Andrew Luck, someone like Andrew Luck. Um, so that shows how low he was. Um, he, he'd been thinking about it since he had that shoulder injury and was able to throw the football. Um, so yeah, very shocking. Uh, but then I saw, I saw, uh, Rob Gronkowski yesterday. He was at, he was, it was speaking at some event where he's promoting, um, CBD for, for recovery for athletes and stuff like that. And he got pretty emotional talking about his retirement. He's saying that a lot of fans go up to him and ask him if he's coming back, you know, since, cause if you just retire, they're going to ask, Oh, well, are you going to come back? It's like, no, I just retired. Give me, give me some time. Give me like a year at least to, you know, mull things over. See if I, if I like being in retirement anyway. So he says a lot of fans are doing that and interacting with him. And he says he, he lost the love for the game. He, he just didn't like how it made him feel. I mean, that last year he was already pretty beat up. He was playing like a, he was just a shell of himself. So everyone kind of got the idea that he was going to retire early because uh, he wasn't fully healthy. But then he says that he, he he can still play, but he's just not there mentally. And I think that's the problem with that, especially when you're healing or dealing with certain injuries and you're not fully healthy. And then if you're rehabbing, most of the time you're by yourself. Uh, so that could send you to the dark place. Uh, but this was, I feel like that his quotes right there were more surprising than the Andrew Luck thing. Because Andrew Luck, it was always talked about that he always had other aspirations outside of football. But Gronk... He's like Mr. Football. That's all he does. He lives and breathes football, and he's the most happy-go-lucky guy and loves playing football, but he said that the joy of playing football, you know, escaped. He didn't have that same joy because of all those injuries and all the stuff he was dealing with. Um, so I thought that was that was pretty surprising, too. Um, then he says, you know, maybe if he's fully healthy, that I think if he was fully healthy, he might come back in the playoffs if they ask him, hey, you know, we're in the conference championship. We need some help or something. I feel like he would he would come out, you know, if they got a first a first round bye. I feel like he might join that team again. But uh, as far as Andrew Luck, I think he's I don't think he's coming back. And and Jacoby Brissett is going to take over. I'm not sure if Jacoby Brissett's the future or if uh, Indianapolis ownership if they feel like he's the future. But a lot of talk people talk about him is that he's a he was a high end backup and he he was the best backup in the league. Um, I mean, he, he played with the Patriots and then was traded to the Colts and then he played, he started most of the season in 2017, but I mean, they only won four games that year. I think he was, he threw 13 touchdowns and either seven or nine interceptions. So his numbers weren't great, but that team wasn't great. They didn't have an offensive line. They weren't good defensively. They had some issues. So this team definitely is a lot better. Um, so we'll we'll see how how Jacoby Brissett produces and how he performs, and if if they can make it to the playoffs, um, if he can win that division. But that I mean, luckily it's the AFC South. It's probably the weakest division in the NFL. I mean, you have the Titans. They don't know who their quarterback is. Mariota's he's not great at one particular thing. He's just kind of average at everything. And honestly, I think they might go with Ryan Tannehill in that situation. Um, but they're 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 good defensively. And the Jaguars, we don't know how how Nick Foles will play outside of Philadelphia. Anytime he was like gone out of Philadelphia, it was just bad. Uh, whether it be St. Louis or or even Kansas City, I guess. But he didn't play much. Uh, so we'll see we'll see how that is in Jacksonville. Um, their defense probably be better this year than it was last year. It was better in the past, uh, but I'm not sure if they'll have that consistency on offense. Um, who knows about Leonard Fournette? That situation hasn't solved itself yet. And then the Texans. Uh, they're always just banged up. I feel like the Texans should con- 
consistently win the division. Uh, I don't know if it's a Bill O'Brien issue or what. I mean, Deshaun Watson's great. Then um, DeAndre Hopkins is great too, and their defense is good. Uh, I guess they're going to try to trade Jadavion Clowney. They still have J.J. Watt. So they have the pieces there to be successful, but they just never they never get it there. Um, and then Lamar Miller just tore his ACL. So they don't have... They don't have their, their starting running back. I guess they'll have uh, Duke Johnson Jr., uh, who they got in a trade from Cleveland. Um, so I'll get into the Lamar Miller uh, injury here soon. Uh, so, yeah, with the, the Colts, they have some continuity. You know, Jacoby Brissett's been getting those first team reps. Uh, so he has that experience there. Um, but honestly, if if they win the division this year, it'll be with eight or nine wins. I mean, I picked them with Andrew Luck, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna change my pick to the the Texans. I think the Texans now, I think they'll be able to do that. And I still think Indianapolis they'll like probably like seven or eight wins. I think they'll still be they'll still be a tough team, but I think Houston will win that division, even given with those injuries and issues that they have right now. So going back to the year that Andrew Luck got drafted, uh, the 2012 draft. You have uh, Andrew Luck going number one, made four Pro Bowls. He was seen as a as a Camus prospect. He was really good at Stanford. Then you have Robert Griffin III uh, coming out of Baylor. He won the Heisman, and he won Rookie of the Year. He went with a second pick. Uh, and then, you know, he had some injury issues. Shanahan put him back in the game against Seattle, injured his knee. He was out of the NFL for a while, for a year. Uh, then after after he was with Washington, he went to he went to Cleveland for that year. Then I think he played like five six games. He was battling a lot of injuries there. Uh, no one resigned him until 2018 when the Ravens picked him up. Uh, but now he's he serves as Lamar Jackson's primary backup. So I don't know maybe there's just a kind of a veteran presence there, kind of showing the ropes, see how it is uh, for a, a mobile quarterback like Lamar Jackson. Uh, so both those haven't really panned out how they wanted to. Andrew Luck with the early retirement at 29, then RG three, you know, bouncing around. And then now he's a backup. And then at number three was Trent Richardson. If you remember Trent Richardson from Alabama, he was, he was a good running back. And even that first year in Cleveland, almost rushed for a thousand yards. And then he got traded to Indianapolis to the Colts and then just kind of flamed out after that. He didn't have a good year. He was always over overweight, out of shape. And then the Raiders picked him up. Then he was on the practice squad with the Ravens. He played in Canada. And he was most recently in the American, uh, the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, uh, that league that just disbanded recently so he never caught on you know and he's 29 he should technically be in the in the nfl still um so let's see who else we have here then you have you have justin blackman he went fifth oklahoma state he he put up big numbers at oklahoma state he wasn't like he wasn't des bryant but you know everyone thought that he'd be productive you know oklahoma state they they were pushing out some good receivers during those years. I mean, he's he's still only 29 too. I mean, he was with the I think he's he's still on the Jacksonville roster. 
technically, but he's he's run into some issues. He's been suspended. He's still suspended, actually. He had a DUI, and then he gets suspended um, for various things, whether it be you know substance abuse or a traffic stop. He's just been arrested multiple times. He's still technically on the roster, but he's on the reserve list. Uh, he was supposed to be reinstated in 2017, or he could have been. Uh, he wasn't reinstated, and then he wasn't on the roster in 2018, and he's not gonna, he's not gonna be, he's not gonna suit up for the team in 2019 either. So his career is probably even is over before it even began. I mean, his first year, he was pretty, he was decent. He showed flashes that he might be a good receiver in the NFL. He had like over 800 yards and five touchdowns, 64 receptions. So he looked good, but you know just couldn't stay out of trouble and just had issues staying clean. Um, so I mean he'll be he'll be done there soon. And then you have Ryan Tannehill at eight, and then I mean even Michael Floyd at thirteen, he's had all kinds of issues. I mean, can you even name the teams that he was on? Michael Floyd was drafted by Cardinals. He, there was like a there was a Vikings stint in there, I believe, and then he was with the Patriots recently. That might be it, but um, yeah, then he he was arrested for um, some DUI as well. He's had a couple of those, and even Matt Khalil at number four. I mean, he's made a, he made a Pro Bowl in twenty twelve. He was on the All Rookie Team. He was drafted by Minnesota in 2012, but he hasn't been that that type of offensive line lineman that you thought he would be uh, to take at number four. You know, now he's on his third team. He's in Houston, actually, um, so we'll see how that goes. But he's really been hit and miss uh, at the, since his career started. Um, so that that's like the, that's the story with this this class. And then even at 22, that remember the the Browns they took Brandon Whedon from Oklahoma State. He was already 35 when he got drafted. And this was a year that Josh Gordon was taking the supplementary draft, and Russell Wilson was taking the third round. So you can seriously do ESPN could do a 30 for 30 on this draft. I mean, who would who would go number one now if you redraft, knowing what we know now? I would say it, it would have to be uh, Russell Wilson. He'd have to go number one. I mean, he's still playing really well. He's been to the Super Bowl twice. He's won. He won one. Um, let's see here. So yeah, actually, and then Nick Foles too. This is a really interesting draft. A lot of, I mean, who would have who would if someone told you that. Nick Foles drafted in the third round at Arizona by the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to win his Super Bowl. And the number one draft pick, Andrew Luck, is not. And his career is going to be a lot shorter than his. And maybe, maybe RG3, he probably won't win one. If he does, he'll be a backup. Uh, but, yeah, if someone told you that, someone told me that, I'd just be like, wow, that's that's not happening. Even though Nick Foles did look good in college, but he wasn't Andrew Luck. Uh, so what I wanted to talk about next was Lamar Miller, uh, the running back for the, for the Texans. He tore his ACL in the preseason game. I believe it was a third, the third preseason game. It was just on a simple play and he just tore his ACL. And this is my problem with, with the NFL preseason. 
every year it happens. You have you have just meaningless games and certain teams they want they want to get their first team players some reps and I get that. But you're just you're inviting risk and with added risk there can be a there's a potential injury, a catastrophic injury to your season like what happened with Lamar Miller tearing his ACL. I mean the Texans had high hopes for the seasons for the season. Which I think that it rightfully so it should still be there. They could still be successful without Lamar Miller, especially since they got Duke Johnson uh, from Cleveland. But he was there. He was like their every doubt back there, you know. And and now now you have an issue there um, at the running back position. But this is my problem with with preseason meaningless games. You shouldn't start anyone. Everyone should just do the Sean McVay route and. You know, for the um, for the Rams, the Los Angeles Rams head coach, he doesn't play any of his starters at all the entire preseason, and that's perfectly fine with me. But if you wanted them to get reps, they get reps in practice. You know, and it's a long season. There's 16 games. I mean, even with those preseason reps, they're not going to be fully ready for game one and look super crisp and look like the best team ever. Any team's going to need a few weeks. I mean, you can't really even talk about the Patriots until December. You know, so it takes a long time during that long NFL season to get everyone up to shape and everyone clicking on all cylinders. So it's it's meaningless to to play these valuable players on your team in the preseason because then if they get injured, then it, everyone looks back on you like, oh, why was he in there? I mean, even Cam Newton got injured. He was in a walking boot at the last preseason game, but apparently he's he's going to be ready to go for the for the first week. But I mean even that. He's your franchise quarterback. He just had shoulder surgery. He has a history of injuries with his playing style and then the way you you call a plays on offense. So why I mean why is he even out there, you know? You have so much invested, you have your whole franchise there. So that that's my issue with with this is that they're playing them in meaningless games, valuable people who shouldn't be playing in meaningless games. Like I get, I get the preseason part of it for fringe players or rookies who need to get reps. Even if you're a first round draft pick, you should be in there, get some reps like Kyler Murray should be in there getting reps. Everyone should be in there getting reps. If you're young or if you're on, if you're a fringe player, but if you're already a clear cut starter, you're not battling for position. We're not going to learn anything new from Cam Newton playing in preseason, we're not going to learn anything from seeing Lamar Miller take a random snap in a in a, in a pointless preseason game. We're not going to learn anything about Aaron Rodgers. Nothing new is going to be learned about Patrick Mahomes or any of these guys. So there's no reason for them to be playing at all in the preseason unless you're a fringe player. Because if you're a fringe player, then you can earn your you can really earn your spot there. And really fight for for a roster spot. Like, okay, well, this guy, you know, he's been in the league for three years, and then we have this rookie, so they're gonna compete. Like, oh, I like this rookie better, even though he he he's a rookie and he hasn't been in the league as long as this other guy. So that's that's where it makes the most sense. That's where it should. They should all be should all make the most sense that that aspect of it with preseason. But I, I also think it's too long. There's too many preseason games. Four is too much. I think if they cut it to two. And then bring, cut it to two, and don't 
there should be like a law right there is don't play any starters because if if you lose too many big uh, you know big names the nfl season you're not going to have that many people watching the nfl season because people want to see the big stars they don't want to see these people competing for roster spots so if you cut it down to two shorten the preseason maybe expand the rosters so then you know those people can get to so get those extra reps and those fringe players can fight for positions. So two spots. Don't I don't want to see extended regular season. They already play a lot of games. There's already a lot of injuries. There's already a lot of early retirements because of injuries in Gronk and Luck and all these other guys. So just cut it in two. You still have people being able to compete. And what they, the NFL should do is don't host these meaningless preseason games with potential third and fourth stringers playing each other. Don't host them in the normal cities. Like don't host them um, in Santa Clara where the 49ers play. Don't host them in Seattle or Oakland or anything like that. Let's host them. Because also the tickets are expensive too. They're too expensive to go to a preseason game to watch players that you don't even know the names of, that you most likely will never see in a regular season game. So let's cut the prices, but then let's also host them in cities that don't have NFL teams. Like how cool would it be for Rams fans, for St. Louis Rams fans, to see a preseason game over there since their team got taken, since the Rams moved to um, Los Angeles. How cool would it be there? Or even just, you know, random random areas, like, you know, you can go to Portland, maybe. Just places that don't have NFL teams and, you know, where you can you can get a lot of fans there to fill the seats. Like, oh, we got an NFL game. You know, even though it's preseason, it's still still an NFL game, you know, with, with with potential backups. But I think you'd get a lot more interest in those re- in those specific regions. And if the tickets are cheaper, you get more people going to that and it'd be it'd be more of an event. You're like, oh, well, let's go since we're not since, you know, during the regular season, since we have to drive 12 hours or something to go to the NFL game and it's all kinds of stuff. And we only we could only get the weekend and, you know, it's just a whole it's just a whole mess of things. But if you're in that town already and you're looking for something to do when you got a preseason game, I would go to a preseason game if it's in my town and it's cheaper and I and I don't I already have an NFL team in my city. That would make the most sense to me, and I think that's what the NFL should do. They should at least consider doing that instead of adding extra games. If they want to add extra games, they have to they have to give the, the players guaranteed contracts, I think, and also expand the rosters like a 75-man roster. Let them keep them those many players and get more guaranteed checks uh, for the players in the NFL because they have the most risk. They're the ones who get the most injuries. They get CTE. They get all these, all these crazy injuries. And a lot of these former players are having issues too, even like walking or, or sleeping without feeling pain, doing these normal daily activities that everybody else does normally. And now, I mean, like Gronk, they're investing in – CBD businesses and and stuff like that just to just to help them heal, you know. They're retiring at earlier ages. This is something that the NFL needs to look, really look at because Andrew Luck's not going to be the last one. Neither is Gronk. You know what happened with Calvin Johnson. This is going to keep happening, and that's what the NFL needs to think about about how to change how to change their their season, how to make how to entice players more to play longer, you know, with those guaranteed contracts, that might help. You know, I, I didn't think they should lengthen the season at all. 
They should try to, you know, they always talk about player safety, but they're like, hey, let's play on Thursday. I hated Thursday games, but now as a fan, I like them. They're, you know, they're usually marquee matchups now. But, you know, if the players don't want Thursday games, like, power to the players, man. The players couldn't learn something from the NBA, and and so can the NFL. You know, the NFL can learn a lot from the NBA. And the NFL makes way more money. They generate way more revenue than the NBA does. But you see the, the players in the NBA – they run that league. If something if something's wrong and LeBron says something, stuff gets changed quick. But you don't see that in the NFL. The NFL, it's more of it's team-based. So people follow their teams. But in the NBA, it's more like, oh, I follow this player, I follow that player. And that's the difference between those leagues. So the NFL has a collective bargaining agreement coming up here soon. They'll have to agree on some certain terms. And I think the, the Players Association should... Definitely consider guaranteed contracts, cutting preseason schedule to two games instead of four, and expanding NFL rosters, you know, to 75, keeping more players on the team during the season. That'll really benefit the viewership of these NFL games. The product will be better. The players will be more rested. There'll be more players for the roster, so if there's injuries or anything like that, it'll just be a lot better on the field. Um, and and that's that's what they get from the NBA is a better product. I feel like the NBA has grown a lot exponentially um, within the last decade, even um, especially since. Uh, so I I listened to the the Donald Sterling uh, podcast, the thirty thirty for thirty podcast on ESPN. Uh, Ramona Shelburne uh, did a great job on that, but it went into detail about Donald Sterling, the former Los Angeles Clippers owner, um, who. He had those tapes released on t- to TMZ uh, where he was talking to his uh, his mistress at the time, V. Stiviano, about that he doesn't want her taking pictures or, or hanging out with minorities or black people specifically. Even more specifically, Magic Johnson. He, he named Magic Johnson, and he didn't want her associating with her him or bringing him or anybody else who's a minority to... His games and it was on record and apparently in the past it was he had these uh, a lot of players had said that he has a plantation owner mentality and that he look he views these players as property not as human beings he was also quoted as saying uh that he he gives them who else would give them food and cards and money like i'm the one who takes care of them so he had that mentality where he's like, oh, I'll give you that. Like, I owe you. I own you, and I can do whatever, you know. Um, so anyway, so with that whole thing, this had been going on a long time ago, but nothing was done. But now there's recordings, and Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, he was new to the job still. And so he was trying to figure out what, what, what he can do. But then you had LeBron James coming out, and then Chris Paul coming out, who played with the, with the Clippers, and... So he was coming out, and they were all saying that they needed Donald Sterling to be banned permanently from the NBA. So, and there was a playoff game. It was the Warriors and the Clippers. They were playing each other, and Adam Silver hosted press conferences. Was within a day or two, uh, he said that Donald Sterling has been permanently banned from the league. He can't attend any games. Can't be involved in any business or anything. And Donald Sterling, he had this in the past too. He had some issues with discrimination. He didn't want to rent to uh, minorities. He specifically named black people and Hispanics and 
So he had all kinds of issues already in the past, and the NBA didn't do anything. But now they did, and and I feel like mainly it was because you had LeBron James, who was one of the most powerful people in the world at the time, and still is, you know, sports-wise, business-wise, everyone just knows LeBron. And he had already said, I want him banned. And then you had Chris Paul, who was an, Chris Paul was another powerful player. And he had numerous athletes that were powerful and who said, hey, he needs to be banned. And just to remind everyone, the commissioners work for the owners. They don't work for the players, right? So it's whatever is in the best interest of the owners. The owners hire a specific person because they want him to help them make more money, right? So that's Goodell. And Adam Silver, Adam Silver responded to that whole incident saying, yeah, he's going to be banned, right? But there's an issue. He owns a team. So how are you going to get Donald Sterling to sell a team? And it, it ended up being his wife, Shelly Sterling, got control of the trust and then had him evaluated by a doctor who said he was mentally unstable and he, he couldn't he couldn't make proper decision making or anything like that so they gave her full ownership she ended up selling to steve Ballmer, who was the ceo at microsoft who stepped down prior to that and he bought he bought the clippers right so so then donald sterling walks away he's he's a billionaire i could think him and his wife are back together anyway you guys should listen to this podcast it's on 30 for 30 um espn you can find it on spotify as well but it really goes in in detail about that and i really think that happened because of the players speaking out and everyone else listening to them. You know, uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner, listening to the players and what the players wanted. And I think that really changed the trajectory of how the NBA is going to be, how the NBA is going to be run and how the, and now you see these players, it's a player run league. And it wasn't like that before when Donald Sterling was there. So Donald Sterling was like, he was part of that to help, the league grow and him being banned and them selling the team. And then now you have Steve Ballmer. He's like one of the best owners now. I feel like already, you know, he's very involved. He said he'll, he'll spend anything to get, to make them the Clippers competitive, which they are now after they got Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George. And he's just, he's just like a fun dude. Seems like, and the players really like him. And that Clippers franchise was just the worst, one of the worst teams in the league forever. Now they're finally relevant again, and they're a legitimate title contender. And I think it's a lot it has a lot to do with player empowerment and then the change in ownership. And you're seeing that all across the league, except the New York Knicks. Like, when are they going to get James Dolan out of there? They should just ban him for just being James Dolan, because he he does his own thing anyway. He hires certain people, and then he already has his own issues too. He has like some sexual harassment stuff. Um, but anyway, that's what I think. I think, you know, eventually the NFL has to kind of, they have to follow what the NBA is doing have that player empowerment and, and listen more to the players and kind of do what the players want. Cause the players are the ones who are, who are producing the product. They're the ones who are selling the jerseys and selling the tickets for you. Cause even when the teams are like, you know, when the teams are bad, no one's buying those tickets. No one wants to go see the, you know, three and three and 13 teams. No one wants to do that. But, you know, if there's a star player on the team still, people are going to buy buy that jersey, buy some tickets, go to the different events, and they're going to be involved. So I think the NFL and all these other leagues, they need to listen to their players like the NBA does. 
because the NBA is going to grow and it's going to be, it's going to be a lot bigger in the future. And it's super exciting right now. And it's in a good spot. Well, thanks for, thanks for listening to my fourth episode. Um, we have football starting here soon, so we'll get into just some more storylines as well. And, uh, MLB playoffs are, are coming to the stretch run this last month. Uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate it and share my podcast and continue listening if you like it. Thank you.